The Startup to Scale Up Game Plan is brought to you by Alpina Search, Europe's premier talent search firm, dedicated to helping technology startups and scale-ups recruit high-impact executives. Now over to your host, Gary Riemann. I'm delighted to welcome Jonas Todal to this week's episode. Jonas is the co-founder at World, funded by VCs like Frontline Ventures and Cherry Ventures, with a vision to build the world's most customer-centric data company, empowering their customers to unlock the full potential of their data. So Jonas, a very warm welcome to you. Thank you so much, Gary. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. Now, your LinkedIn profile fascinates me, describes a, a company free of politics, rules, hierarchies, and unnecessary slideshows with an extreme focus on happy customers, problem solving, culture building, strong relationships, innovation, and building new technology. So how have you gone about building this truly utopian culture? That's a, a very good question also something we are working on each day. To us, it also says in, in the text, it is a lot about removing all the fat, you could say, from the business and keeping it very lean. So having politics, tedious decision processes, hierarchies, things that slow the business down is something that's it's definitely something that we believe can really hinder performance. And it's actually also a really crucial component in terms of having a great culture. Because to us, it's also a lot about high performance. It's a lot about achieving great results. And whatever is sort of in the way of doing that is something that can sort of hinder both the culture building, but also, more broadly speaking, the performance of the company. And is that based on your experience prior to setting up World? So had you suffered from too many slideshows, too much bureaucracy, et cetera, et cetera, in your previous life? I think I have. I started my career in, in larger enterprise uh, businesses and, uh, and in consulting. So I've definitely done my share of uh, slideshows, you could say. But we also have this value called move fast. And, and I think it also has a little bit to do with our own personality in the, in the founding team that we like to move fast. We like to break things. We like to learn quick, iterate. And we also fundamentally believe that is what it takes to build a great company because you can't figure everything out beforehand. So you need to move fast. You need to fail, you need to learn, and that's how you grow the fastest. And it's an ingrained part of, uh, of, of our culture, really. Good. And talking about moving fast, you've expanded from two people to over 40 in the past 12 months. Your product has also evolved rapidly. Your customer base has expanded significantly. So how have you achieved such phenomenal growth when you're so focused on culture? It's hard to build culture when you are growing so fast, for sure, which is also why we very early on actually hired our first people uh, or our first employee within, uh, within PeopleOps because we needed somebody to look after our pe people from the very 
early days of the company and sort of be focused on on the culture building aspect. But at the end of the day, it is also a lot about the people you bring in. So we have also, even though we have moved fast, we have also tried to be as diligent as possible, making sure that the candidates we hire actually aligns with our values. Now, this people ops person, you mentioned this to me when we last spoke, and I think you actually had some pushback from investors and others in your network about hiring someone in that role so quickly, so early in the evolution of the business. So just walk me through that. Why why did you decide stubbornly, yes, well, I think this is right for our company, so I am going to hire this person? And how has that individual really impacted on the culture of the business? What's their major focus? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right that when I look at other companies, my own experience talking to people in my network and advisors and so forth, they were all pretty surprised that we decided to do that so early on. But to me, it just made so much sense. Like you talk so much about, you know, you want to be a great company to work for. You want to have a great culture. You want to have fun, find the best people. You know that within tech startup SaaS, it's all about the people, right? That's basically the only thing you have in, in the company as the asset. So, uh, so I think, why wouldn't you invest into the primary value that you have in any business right very early on. So it was just so obvious to me. And I also think we will see a change in in this trend uh, in the future. Also now that we have so much competition in the market, right? So I would definitely also tend to believe that the companies that really win on people also win more broadly speaking. Exactly. Now, I know that uh, any company expanding this quickly I can put a strain on the leadership team in terms of mental health and balancing things effectively, a kind of work family life balance. It's very, very difficult to to get the right balance, shall we say. And you touched on this in a conversation we had um, earlier this month. You, You mentioned that you'd had challenges in the past with mental health problems, especially with burnout. So what have you learned from your experiences and and how are you addressing these challenges these days? That's a very good question. And it's definitely no secret that running a startup and, and even like working in a startup, it, there's a lot of stress and it puts a great uh, strain on, on the whole team when you're growing so fast. I think it has a lot to do with finding your own rhythm and figuring out what, work, what works for, for you. It's not necessarily so much about how much you work or whether there's like big projects that um, that have a, a big impact on your mental health and stress. I, I think it has a lot more to do with, with finding your own rhythm and sort of figuring out what that rhythm is. For, for example, for me, I work great in, in early mornings. So I like waking up early. I like to meditate or exercise in the morning. And then I do my focus work the first two to three hours each day. That works great for me. Then when I get into the office, usually I know that then the the day sort of really starts and you cannot really have that much time to do focus work for the rest of the day. Then another thing for me is also that I don't really work great in late evening. So I also need to prioritize to start thinking about getting to bed quite early, like at least a couple of hours before I need to go to sleep. So I can sort of, you know, wind down and relax. Usually I do that with like when 
the kids are put to sleep, I'll probably read a book or go for a walk or, or just relax in, in the best possible way so I can wind down and and then I get I, I need my my eight hours of sleep each each day. So it's super, super important for me as well. Sounds like you've got a similar rhythm to me. You need like to be in bed by about nine o'clock, nine thirty. <laughs> exactly. And I also have like a little bit of a if I wanted to sleep long, I really can't because the kids wake up anyway. So I'm, I'm kind of like I have my own alarm in that sense. But then another thing that's also really important to me is to, to make sure that, uh, for example, on Saturdays is sort of my free day where I would, I would never work on Saturdays. So I, so I have one day at least each week where I don't work. And then usually I'll work a, a little bit on, on Sundays, for example, to plan, uh, to plan the week ahead. So, so that is what, what works great for, for me, but I also know other people in my network and my colleagues who work uh, great in the evenings, right? And it really depends on, on who you are. To me, meditation, reading, exercising, finding your rhythm, and then at, at a higher level, also realizing that at some point you also need to to maybe get a, a greater perspective on life and on things, right? And not get too emotional or caught up in the problems that you have today, right? Because one way I like to think about it is of the problems and the challenges that I have today, like how many of these will even be important in five years, right? So they are insignificant in the grand scheme of things, right? That can also sort of help you understand what's what's important, what's not important, and maybe also guide sometimes your your mindset. Now you touched on meditation. Meditation for me is my is my big topic of the early part of twenty twenty two. It's it's something I've obviously known about for years, but only been able to to really get stuck into and, and get into a rhythm of this this year. I found a a couple of good resources on YouTube, and I've been doing guided meditation. Are you following any particular approach to meditation? Do you have any sources that you you follow or are you just doing your, your own thing? I remember reading a, a couple of books uh, about it. it. It was actually a little bit funny because I started, I remember back when early in my career, I, I started reading a lot of books with, with the sole purpose of being like, you know, learning and being a high performer and, you know, wanting to, to achieve great results. So it was sort of like personal professional development and business books and, and these kinds of things. And it, it was interesting because then, then it actually kind of took sort of a detour into, into the more like mental health topics and meditation and, and maybe a bit more like the, the spiritual way of, of living, because I realized that a lot of these business people and coaches and mentors and so forth, they were actually all doing it, or at least they would talk about it in, in these books that I read. And then I, I started uh, experimenting with meditation myself. And over the years, I've just found it to, to be such a, a great asset for me. I, I use it every day. And it just helps me figuring out what's important in life, how I should prioritize and also get a little bit of perspective to have sort of a healthy distance to your work. So maybe back in the day, I would be 
if I had like a, a big challenge or a problem, maybe I would I would think of that. You know, every day it would mean everything uh, to to me, and I would take it, maybe take it take it home and so forth. Where where now I I sort of feel I have a healthy distance to to uh, to my priorities in my life, and and also realizing that family, being happy, your friends, that's that's what comes first. That that is what comes first, right? And and then secondly, you have your um, maybe your your job and and your professional life. And how about the team? You're skating so rapidly. The team must be you know, under some pressure to perform to keep the customers happy and so on. So, have you got any initiatives in place to make sure that your team? whilst they're performing, are also not putting themselves under excessive mental or emotional strain. You figured out some techniques, and it sounds like these have evolved over many years, but some of your team may not have all the, the tools that you're using to them over the more challenging times. So have you got anything formally or informally in place to support the team with the challenges they face? Yes, we, we definitely do. And it's coming a little bit back to, to the people team. Um, there are actually four people in, in the people team now. And a big part of the people team's priorities is to coach and train our own employees and make sure that we work with, with these topics actively and we have a, you know, a strong foundation and, and support to help and guide the whole team. We are working on it on all levels in the company, talking about it, learning from each other. We have book clubs. We have a big focus on it. It's, it's not really easy, but it's something that, that we speak about a lot and we make sure that people are not afraid to speak about it. And in all my one-on-ones, I'll always ask like how people are doing, especially on, on mental health and, uh, and workload and and these things, and 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 I think that's that's like a general topic that that we'll often uh, bring up. Then we actually also advise people to to get mentors and and coaches themselves, both internally and externally. Externally, so we're also focusing on that. And then we have a long list of initiatives that we believe can help. I mean, it it, it can be anything from very flexible working hours and six weeks of holiday. Um, even if you want to take more holiday, we are also pretty pretty open to that, and very conscious of when is you know when are we in a in a stressful, very stressful time in the company, and when are we not, and which teams are, and you know, just making sure that we are also giving people time off when when uh, when they need it, and have the tools in place to to cope. Let's go back a little bit to the time when you were thinking of launching the company, thinking of becoming an entrepreneur. Who are the people out there, the successful entrepreneurs or the business thinkers or writers? Who's really inspired you to become the person you are today? Well, I think there's a lot of people who who have inspired me. I think that um, I've definitely been inspired by my previous role in in Playo and the whole like basically the whole the whole company and the way the way Playo managed to to create a great culture and focusing on very much an individual and giving a lot of freedom and autonomy, flexibility and trust. 
I think that 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 has just inspired me a lot. Pleo was my first like really like entrepreneurial experience. But then I also think that that I've always been fascinated by Silicon Valley and the U.S. And I've read like a lot of a lot of these books from all the famous like tech gurus, from Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and Bill Gates and so forth. So I've definitely also been inspired by the big tech tech gurus, you could say. So yeah, I think that's that's about it. And what do you know now that you truly wish you'd understood before you became a software entrepreneur? That's a good question. I think that making sure that, like realizing that people are what will make or break your company. I think still, even when starting the company, I probably had a little bit too much focus still on the product and the idea itself, and not so much on actually just bringing in great people, creating a great culture and a, and a, and a fantastic work environment. And then that is basically what defines success. I think we really I realized that pretty pretty early on, and it's not it, it's definitely something that has been top of my mind. But but I still think the idea is 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 important. But I also think that there's so many things you don't know and so many things you learn when when you start the company. And you also see this in 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 tech and, and startup more broadly speaking, right? That you you have this. You coin it as pivot, so a startup will will do something, and then they, they will figure out this doesn't work, and then they'll pivot to something you know completely different because they realize this is where the opportunity is. So in that sense, I may I actually wish that I started my own company earlier because you know I started out in a big enterprise company, then I went into consulting, realized none of those were really making me like really really happy. And then I tried startup, right? And I, I I remember thinking maybe this it was a bit game over for me because I had like wife, kids, car, house. It was not like I couldn't really just go out and you know sleep on a couch somewhere. And 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 <laughs> <laughs> so so I sort of thought that that was uh, that, that that game was was over. But 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 after realizing that it has a lot more to do with execution and the team. And and then you can basically you know challenge whatever kind of problem that you want to challenge right and and then eventually you you will figure it out and that's also my best advice to new entrepreneurs right that it's it's getting out there and failing fast and learn and then iterate and then at some point you you will you will get it if you work hard enough and just think about the future what's your vision for world for the next three, four, five years, where we're February the 16th, 2025, where will the company be? I think there are, there are a couple of things, or maybe three things I'll, I will highlight. One of them is, is to create like a really great company to work for. Ever since we started the company, there's also been a lot about our own happiness. We have a value that's called having fun. And many of the reasons to why we started the company was also having fun and not feeling it as as work because you spend so so much time working that it's it's sort of like a wasted opportunity if you don't really enjoy it that much. So I'll definitely measure success also on on that metric in terms of how how happy and engaged and motivated are we as a as a as a company as a whole, like the people first kind of kind of mindset. So I'll put it another way. Let's say we uh, we end up being very successful, but 
uh, all our employees are, are really unhappy and we, uh, you know, that, 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 that would be a complete disaster and a failure. That's one thing, the, the people side. And, and also for us as founders, right, that we still feel that this is motivating and we feel that, it's, that we are happy. And it, it's actually something we, we think about every day. It's kind of also what guides our decisions in terms of, you know, every time we make a decision, is this something that will make our employees and ourselves more happy or less happy? And if it's less happy, then we need to figure out whether we can avoid making this decision or whether we can at least do something to, you know, mitigate the uh, or limit the impact. So that's one thing. Another thing is uh, we really want to define like a new category within our space. We believe that what we are building is, is sort of something new because we're building this all in one data platform. And today, when you when you go out in, 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 in the market, you would often need to buy between five and 10 different tools to accomplish or to, to be become like data-driven. So to us, it's also about really really defining this, this, this new category that there's an, an, an alternative to actually building what we call the, the data stack yourself. You can actually get an all-in-one like platform. So, so I think that is, that's really important. And then the final thing, we, we definitely also want to be, uh, to be a major player and competitor within our space. So at least being one of the, one of the leaders. And the way we, we would measure that would probably be to the extent of which we have sort of conquered the U.S. in uh, more broadly speaking, because that is that is where all our you know competitors are, and 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 that is also where things within our space move the fastest. So we also need to be there and compete. Yeah, I'm sure the U.S. is going to be a, a really important market for you over the next two to three years. How are you addressing that geographical? expansion do you have people over there are you opening an office and how far along that that path are you we don't have an office yet but it will come later this year currently we are about to establish our our team both the team from our own office that will move to the US but also hiring the making the first the first key hires I think the most important thing for us is to maintain the culture and make sure that the culture stays intact also when we when we go to the US but also even like when we open new markets and new offices in uh, in Europe. And one of the things I've learned is that it's really important that you make sure that you have people like culture carriers on the ground working in the new offices because if you think you can just hire people and not go there yourself, and then the culture will, you know, remain intact. Then, then, uh, then, then you'll be wrong because you, you, you need to make sure that you have a really dense group of of culture carriers and and leaders that can sort of bring the culture to the new place. You could say, which is also why we are definitely also planning that, planning to to send at least one of uh, one of the founders here to the US at some point. I think that's a really good point that you can't expect a remotely built team to automatically share the same traits and cultural leanings. You do need to send someone senior, perhaps as you suggested, someone who's part of the founding team to replicate the culture you've built 
the head office and 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 come up with a, a very similar feel people with similar outlook who's put their hand up for the switch to the us is that something you're going to do with yourself and your family or one of your co-founders has been uh, awarded that uh, that particular opportunity and challenge that's a very good question i i think right now we we haven't really decided or figured who will go and and when but I think we we have this uh, like value or principle in 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 the company as well. It's called like do whatever it takes. So uh, and and also have like a flexible mindset. So so I think these it's sort of what we what we have talked about that we are all flexible. And if it makes sense that that you know I'll, that I go, then I'll do it. And if it makes sense that one of my other founders go, then then they'll do it. And 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 we'll we'll sort of figure it out. But of course, maybe I need a little bit more of of a, maybe a little I need a bit little bit more of an early warning if I need to move the the whole family over there for for sure. <laughs> Hopefully, your your wife won't get her first hint that this could be happening through listening to the podcast. <laughs> no, it's it's like we we, we are going uh, we are going next month. So uh, so yeah, but but luckily the visa process can take up what uh, of a year I've heard. So uh, so there's plenty of time to uh, to prepare in in advance. That's good. Good in in a way that's good. Listen, Jonas, thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode. And I'd like to wish you and the whole team a decidedly happy 2022. So happy company, happy customers, happy investors. And uh, look forward to hearing how the U.S. expansion plan goes as well. Thank you for having me, Gary. It was a pleasure. This episode of the Startup to Scale Up Game Plan was brought to you by Alpina Search. Head over to www.alpinasearch.com for advice on scaling your technology startup and recruiting high-impact senior talent. 